0: Day and night, the presses keep rolling. Tons of glossy paper, destined for the letterboxes
1: and shop shelves of Aotearoa. There is nothing like holding a good magazine in your hands and opening it up and seeing a great photograph or a great article by somebody that you really want to read about.
0: But they're on the wane. Some say facing extinction. Five years ago, they sold around 16 million mags a year in New Zealand. Now it's down to 10 mil. So when might the presses stop for good? And people get all their words and pictures, advice and reckons, their cultural reflections from a tiny screen.
2: So much of what happened with cream was that Young girls would go there for advice and information um, that they could trust, and it was age-appropriate, you know, whether it was about puberty, um, or boys or whatever they were curious about, and the idea that now they might actually just be going to the internet and, and putting those questions into Google. That really freaked me out, thinking, what are they going to come across online?
0: I'm Phil Vine, and today on The Detail, how long before the last magazine is thrown into the recycling pile? Are we talking about a cultural death here or a long lingering illness? And why does it matter? You know,
3: they're a representation of the national psyche. And I think that once they start, if they start closing in any kind of rapid succession, uh, what are we going to be? Just like a filter pipe for Facebook, you know, crap news that comes out
0: of other countries. As a young journo one of my first jobs was on a magazine, you won't have heard of it, I jumped on my e-bike to see if the publishing house was still there. So taking a ride across town from RNZ to Parnell, the place where I used to work, I was editor of an obscure little mag called Horticulture News. So at Karoja Street, to Cheshire Street and left okay this is starting to look familiar Parnell train station and that's it I think number 27 yeah it's now a set of apartments trade publications where I used to work with other venerable titles like food processing news, where they showed you how to render your beef carcass, laboratory news, packaging news. All of that swept away by the internet. And a video killed the radio stars, then the interweb did a pretty good hatchet job on magazines. They're not dead, but they've certainly been badly wounded and hospitalised. Well, I think that, you know, the
3: distribution of
0: the content of
3: magazines just became completely blown out through the internet. And um, most magazine publications worth their salt now, they have a print publication and they have an online presence. This is Nicholas Burrows. I'm the chair of the Magazine Publishers Association and um, general manager at Homestyle Magazine and the Pluto Group.
0: Nick's based in Otatahi, Christchurch, and he's been in the business for 20 years. I think that, you know, we actually do feel passionately about what we produce, and
3: magazine publishers do love what they do. Um, and I think that, you know, it's, it's sort of a, it's going to be a cold day when they just turn over and go, oh, well, I'm not doing this anymore.
0: Yeah, we, we love what we do. But what he does, and the way he does it, has changed dramatically in two decades.
3: I've seen the highs and the lows. When were the highs? Well, it's always been a bit of a high. I mean, it's a great industry to be in. Um, but, you know, y- you would say that it was probably a, you know,
0: it was a higher place to be probably in the early 2000s than than now. How did that feel to be in that industry? Was it more exciting than it is now? Or, or is the excitement now, oh, my gosh, we've lasted another year? <laughs> um, look, I think you were probably less worried about money. You were
3: less worried about budgets. You knew that, you know, advertising was coming in. You knew that magazines were being sold flat out. I think now it's more the concern around how we, um, how we make money and distribute our quality editorial whilst, you know, being in business at the same time.
0: It's, yeah, it's a different question to the early 2000s. And is that the effect of the internet kind of creeping in? I'd love to give you a really clear
3: answer, but the internet has certainly the platforms most particularly have made it a most difficult space to be in. There's no doubt that, you know, New Zealanders are still looking for their favorite editorial, whether it's, you know, food, homes, getting married. Um, they are totally interested in it. Um, but yes, they can actually access it without paying for it as much as they used to.
0: Imagine that. Having to pay for your information, your news and views, cultural insights, glorious medium format pictures. Yes, millennials and below, that's how it used to be before it arrived on your phone. Kira Alice, welcome to Radio New Zealand.
2: Oh, thanks so much. Yeah. Lovely to be here.
0: Cool, let's go inside. Alice O'Connell began editing Cream magazine for girls just as the internet threat was kicking in back in 2004. She went on to head up the New Zealand Women's Weekly. 20 years ago, she was still optimistic about the future of magazines.
2: It seemed like things were only going to go up. Back then, the, I mean, the internet wasn't really around too much. Magazines were such this safe space. And I guess working at Cream, it was in this this teen wonderful bubble or pre-teen world that I really enjoyed that magazine. But it also felt like that magazine played a really important role in the whole ecosystem of the magazine world. So I felt like it was like this entry point where, where girls would be introduced to magazines and fall in love with them and then hopefully just... Have this habit that they'd carry on throughout their life. That they could then, as they aged up and changed life cycle, there was always another or life stage. There was always another magazine there for them to start reading. So I, I thought, you know, I'm I'm playing a big role in this this whole industry. It's going to keep going. It's it's there's going to be a place for me to grow into as well. Did
0: you get a feeling that maybe the interweb was going to be the kind of death knell for magazines?
2: Uh, unfortunately, it was it was. Probably quite early on in the the cream days of um, – I was there when social media really took off. And in my day, it was Bebo that was massive and had this huge following. And it got to the stage where it was – yeah, probably the following on Bebo was probably getting to be the same size as the number who were actually buying the magazine.
0: And – how did you feel about your audience? Did you feel like you had a reasonably intimate relationship with them?
2: Yeah, that's, that is the real thing about magazines. Some of the beauty of it is, I mean, you can't multitask when you're reading a magazine. There are so many other mediums where you can be doing something else. You're driving, you're listening to this podcast or the radio, or, you know, you're watching TV and you're, you're doing something else. You're cooking dinner. Whereas a magazine, you have to really sit and, and, and read it. You can't You can't do anything else.
0: Jim Wilson from 2, Nelson, has always been into magazines. He's a page-flicking obsessive, a gold-plated enthusiast. Over a lifetime, he's bought and read tens of thousands of mags.
1: I get a lot of poetry magazines because I'm interested in poetry. Um, I get a lot of uh, Volkswagen magazines because I'm interested in Volkswagens. And I also get some political-type magazines like Prospect out of the UK. And uh, you could say that the New York Review of Books is a lot about politics these days. Um, So uh, mainly a broad range. I did subscribe to the listener, but uh, that's gone now. Um, My subscription has run out, so I won't be renewing that because it's pretty bloody bland.
0: A bit like food processing news, Jim doesn't mince words. He used to have his own magazine, a spin-off of his company, Phantom Bill Stickers, which they distributed to cafes up and down the country.
1: And the writers weren't necessarily good or accomplished, but we hit on something there and people loved it. Unfortunately, the arts, this neither this government nor the last government, was at all interested in the arts and they wouldn't have given us a cent towards it. And so it was really difficult to put it out. I think it cost us about $20,000 a throw by the time you took into account free mail-outs and that kind of thing. And you just can't um, keep that going forward. And you need a lot of energy to put out a magazine. You've got to be really energetic to be at the cutting face. And you
0: need a distribution network. It doesn't help when the places where mags are sold are shutting down. We had probably well over 1,200 different titles um, and the place was pretty pretty active, both for magazines, cards, lotto. New Plymouth retail institution, mainly magazines, used to do a roaring trade. This month, owner Les Marshall told RNZ he's decided to shut up shop. Things changed quite drastically after Covid. Um, and magazine sales, card sales have been trending downwards pretty much ever since. One of his customers, AJ, used to come in for motoring magazines. The the paper publications um, have all that competition online now, including newspapers. I think it is very much an end of an era, and I think it's a shame that the um, paper publications uh, seem to be losing traction as against uh, the online stuff. Nicholas, from the Magazine Publishers Association, is trying to keep it positive. The magazines are still there. In fact, last year, I think we retailed around
3: 10.5 million magazines, not including subscriptions. Um, You know, there's a very healthy flow of print publications still out there.
0: Is it wrong to predict a death of magazines is that a wrong thing to say
3: yeah i think it is wrong because i think anybody who's tried to predict what's happening in media in the last 10 to 20 to 30 years has never got it right at the moment a lot of magazines are still being sold it's not like hit some bottom we
0: um you know we have a future I talked to a former editor of one of New Zealand's better regarded magazines, and they said, quote, hard to see any bright spots, especially for the serious magazines. It's very hard to be optimistic about the industry, and there's only a handful of people making money. Is that is that a fair representation? Uh, I
3: think it's probably a fair representation, but... Uh, <sighs> I don't know if it's an entire representation. I mean, one one editor from one magazine is probably not speaking the voice for the entire industry. I think, you know, it is definitely a difficult time, but, you know, those publications, like I said, that have multiple, um, multiple channels and their brand is just, you know, not just print, they should be all right.
0: So I, I know as, as chair of the Magazine Publishers Association, it's part of your job to try and... Talk up the industry to a certain extent. That's what everyone does, and I totally, I, I absolutely accept and respect that. Um, and you've been very candid with me. But I mean, I just looking on the website in the news section, and it made me very sad to see that the MPA had had to defer its annual conference. And y- you've written, you know, the board acknowledges the tough times, the cost of publishers of airfares, accommodation, taking key staff away from the business for at least a day is difficult to justify. That made me feel quite sad about the future of magazines. Yeah. Hey, like, you know, like you said, I have been pretty candid about it. And I
3: think that there's been such a transition in the last, probably through COVID in the last five years, four years, three years even, um, that has made, yeah, the framework of publishing a magazine pretty challenging. I'm not exactly sure how to answer without sort of, you know, saying it's 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 quite tough for everyone.
2: Oh, I really feel for everyone who's still working them, that it's, it's such a hard job because no matter how many people are reading it, you're still having to make that same product. There's still the same amount of work going into it. But over the years, it's just meant that there's less and less resource to pull these together.
1: I think the good ones will survive. The good, the good magazines will survive. There may be only one or two of them left. Is it the end?
0: Is it not the end? Is the question, I suppose. You really drive me, Phil. Uh,
3: it's not the end. Magazines will be around. It might just be that there are there are less of them. But at the moment, like I said, still doing ten million at retail.
2: Oh, I mean, I I guess I've got a real personal investment in it that I would I would hate to see them. Close. I mean, it was how I felt when Cream closed that I wasn't working at it at the time, but uh, I felt, yeah, so devastated to see that go and knowing how much its audience loved it.
0: What would the culture lose if we had no printed magazines?
3: Well, I mean, what can you imagine? That, you know, a North and South or a uh, New Zealand house and garden or a home style or any of these publications that have given so much to the kind of you know the New Zealand vernacular if they just disappeared then what do we have next if they can't be produced what have we got
0: that's my question Sorry, to, no, that's my, my question to you
1: i guess yeah so what
3: do yeah. we lose local voice it's as simple as that
1: if there are no more magazines available you know if they cut back and they eventually fold we will lose something substantial because they give um, voice in a very real way to a lot of Kiwis who probably wouldn't be heard. The internet is just jammed with everybody having an opinion on everything. But I think um, print is more substantial than the internet Um, and it's it's a matter of... um, you know, these people that you say they love magazines, I just wish that, well, capitalism kills everything, really, because they, they learn to depend just on the, on the return for the magazine and they don't see the future and, and they don't take into account the, the difference they are making. And there are lots of people in New Zealand who would love to have more of a chance to be heard. You know, we just need a few of those people around New Zealand who are are busting to have their voice heard in a very real way.
0: Those looking for hopeful signs point to the vinyl resurgence. Records you can touch and hold. An old format, crushed by its digital competitors, making a comeback as a high-end hipster product. You know, they're dusting off the plans for the vinyl pressing plants and going, can we open these things up again? So, you know, maybe there's some hope for magazines in that.
1: Oh, I'd love to think so. And I love vinyl. I mean, I find myself going back to albums from the 1970s, which um, are now released on vinyl again. and, And I'll buy them again. And I may not even play them, but it's just having the vinyl in your hands that really means something. So that's a parallel. There's a guy you probably probably known, um, Jack White, out of uh, Nashville, Tennessee, and he's in the White Stripes, where he used to be, and he puts out a magazine called Maggot Brain about uh, uh, music, and the, the editor is a, is a Kiwi, Matt, somebody or other, and it's absolutely fantastic. It's got a bit of a... A punk feel to it, a bit of drive, a bit of, you know, let's be careful not to upset anybody. Well, it hasn't got that. They just plow ahead, and it's and it's bloody great. It's going to take some very inventive people with their backs against the wall.
2: I mean, I look at what's happening online and how a lot of us are moving away from social media, all that noise, and we're going. A lot of us are going back to things like email newsletters. That it's surprising how that's taken off, things like Substack, um, where we used to send emails to our friends and family to tell them what we were up to. And then we went away and went on social media and then we we learnt that wasn't the best way of doing things and going back to just that email communication. So I that gives me faith that, you know, the internet's not going to entirely take away those relationships that people have in, in different different forms of media.
3: Magazines are going to be there, maybe You know, maybe it will be in slightly smaller forms or like smaller print runs. But I I think everybody trying to predict what's going to happen is a little bit of a fruitless exercise because, you know, content creators of magazines,
0: um, you know, they're always going to be there. So last question to Jim, who started a magazine from scratch in the face of the Internet, what would his advice be to people wanting to get their voices out there in print?
1: Damn the torpedoes. Publish and be damned, huh? We need a few people with a bit of integrity and a bit of go in themselves who, you know, are not going to be turned back by a knockbacks. You know, if I had to listen to anybody, everybody who told me that Phantom Bill stickers was a bad idea and I shouldn't try and do it and all the rest of it, Well, I'd probably um, be sitting on the footpath somewhere with a a cup in my hand, you know, waiting for somebody to toss me a $2 coin. But you've got to overcome the objections. And New Zealanders are are famous for knocking people who have a go. And, you know, I think that uh, print magazines, by God, I'd love them to to stay forever and a day.
0: That's it for today. Thanks to Nicholas Burrows, Alice O'Connell and Jim Wilson. The detail is supported by RNZ and NZ On Air. This episode was engineered by Phil Bench and produced by Alexia Russell. And I'm Phil Vine. Mā te wa.